With over 20 years experience, Marcus has a deep understanding of small business. Having recently sold his last business, he's currently traveling Australia in a Tesla, interviewing businesses that embrace sustainability within their daily practice. He also offers business and personal coaching. There are a lot of interesting conversations you can have with Marcus, including the chapter he wrote for the Better Business book titled Systems Versus Empowerment. But I'm going to let Marcus get into those. Marcus, thanks so much for joining me. My name's Marcus Nichols. I am currently in the process of setting up a startup called Business Coaching for Couples. My background has been in small business for the last sort of 25 years uh, as a couple with my partner. And after we sold our last business sort of eight months ago, we've been wandering around and sort of thought, what would we like to really do as one of the things? And what came from that was to actually do business coaching for couples, um, couple on couple. And that's what we're working towards. We're setting up all the all the bits and pieces that are needed. And what's your chapter that you've written about for the book? The title of the chapter I wrote was called Systems Versus Empowerment. It was that processes of having a highly systemized business versus having a uh, staff that are empowered within the business and the balances between those two. I found it interesting when I was reading through the chapter, it, it sounds to me there's a lot of personal experience and potentially a lot of pain points that have been covered off from clients and from perhaps your own business. Where did the idea for the chapter come about? So the idea from the chapter was from our last business, which we ran for 17 years, which was a pet resort in the Hunter Valley. And we had taken the approach with that to make it more and more systematized in the sense that we wanted to make sure that everything we promised a customer was being delivered and that all of we had all the systems in the back end that the place could run successfully without us actually sort of being there. And we just kept going and kept systematizing. So every time something went wrong, we would come up with a new system to make sure that that wouldn't actually happen again. And after a number of years and a whole lot of sort of things of that, and maybe I'm a bit of a slow learner, we discovered that people actually don't like a really highly systematized business. They don't actually like working in it because they feel that they're just coming to work and being a robot. Uh, So we had to sort of try to think about well, from that end, how do we get a balance between having it systematized enough from our end, but also having a little bit more freedom for the staff? We didn't sort of fully nail it um, by the end, but we were starting to progress down the, the, the balanced path. So the chapter was really just, yeah, there was a lot of pain, uh, went through a lot of, saw a lot of things and and dealt with a lot of things you know, over those sort of 17 years that you look back on now and go, hmm, could have done that a lot better. One of the things that you, you point out in the chapter that I thought was really interesting was you made a point to kind of say, is is one better than the other? Is it better to systemize or is it better to empower staff? And can you create a balance? 
do you think that a business can hit a balance between the two? I know you talk about the the two cogs fitting together and they don't necessarily need to be the same size. Do you think any small business or any reader of the book can find a balance between systems and empowerment? Um, I believe they can, but I believe that every business is different, uh, as we know. And so the degree that uh, you have to systematize your individual business compared to your next door neighbor's business, um, if you're running in a shop or something like that, um, is very, very different. And for some businesses, they need to systematize. You take something like McDonald's, it has to be a highly systematized business to function the way it does. Um, whereas if you're, you're perhaps doing a lot more one-on-one personal things, then there would be a lot more room there for empowerment within the sort of staff. But it is a really fine balance because the biggest issues is that balance that when a staff member leads, leaves, what happens? What actually happens to all of that IP if it's not being documented and not being systematized? So it's how do you teach your staff to have the empowerment but in the back end, you're still getting them to systematize what they actually do at the same time, but feeling that they actually have the empowerment to make the choices in the right way. And it might be that you allow them to make choices up to a certain value, um, or it might be that you allow choices around certain things, or, uh, or that those, or when those choices are, there is that they're then discussed as a team to then go, okay, well, this is a better way to do this as a choice. So it's giving them the empowerment to actually improve systems but also be a part of a system as well. One of the points you touched on was, you know, there's pros and cons of each and I'd, I'd like to deep dive on that in a moment. But one of the, the points following on from that that I really took away was around empower, empowering staff and you say that beware the control freaks or the firefighters, those that think they're the only ones that can put the fires out in the business. How does a business deal with them? If you have the ability, do you believe that a business should hire on personality and then train the skills up? Or how, how do you identify those traits in a person before it's too late? Very hard. We found it very difficult to do that. And I, and I probably haven't really nailed that from that sort of angle. But it is certainly something I prefer to, and we've always had that approach over the many years, to employ on personality uh, and then train the things that you need now, the balance of that is a job that requires a, a level of training that requires all the certificates and all those sort of things, then can't just employ on personality. You've got to employ on the fact that they're actually capable of actually doing the job. And then it comes down to, do you have, who's the best person of those people that have applied that actually has the right personality fit for the business? And it's a very hard thing to get right. And you don't always get it right first go. I've found that there's a number of stages with employees, generally about three months in, which is usually your probation period for your staff, but often you get to three months and you'll start to see a few bits and pieces. But generally, I think it's somewhere between that three months to six months 
sort of you start to see a bit truer in who they are and they sort of settle down they get more comfortable because they're not as stressed either they've, they've got comfortable in the position they're, they're doing the work that needs to be done and, and everything else around that uh, and then what happens is is about a year in once they've worked for you for 12 months that's when a whole lot of entitlement and the other componentries that we saw over many, many years start to come out because they feel like, well, I've been here for 12 months. I should be running the place now. It's at that point that really the really big things, like I've employed a lot of people that were firefighters that I didn't pick up with firefighters until it was like 12 months in and it was like, wow, didn't see that, you know, and that could be my bad judgment or it could be that often a lot of those people don't display that until they've got really comfortable or until they can actually then then sort of feel like like they can throw their weight around a little bit more and be that firefighter. So in hindsight, do they have common traits or things that people could potentially keep an eye out for? There's a level of busyness that uh, sometimes when you employ someone you see them being busy all the time and that can sometimes be a, a thing. There's also a level of wanting to be everyone's best friend, to be involved in everything. Often those people turn out to be the firefighters because they they want to feel they've got their fingers across all the pies in every form that they can and then that's where they then start to entangle the the firefighting process so and that's that trade is also that's a cross section between firefighter and also control freak do you believe that every business needs somebody who is prepared to take ownership and almost control freak's probably a strong word for it but have that desire and that need to take ownership of what they're doing and make sure that their role is ticking along perfectly. Do, do you think every business needs a personality type like that or not necessarily? I don't think it needs a personality type that is totally that, but I certainly need it. I guess you get down to that 80-20 rule in the sense that if they're 80% there, that's a good thing, but you don't want the 100%. You still want that 20% of being sort of held back a little bit. It also, depending on the size of your small business, if you're as the owner of the business still operating on the front line, then that's a balanced sort of thing in the sense that you want them to take ownership, but you don't want them to be making the decisions that are going to be impacting on a whole lot of other people without first having spoken to the parties that be or the, the owners or the, the other managers above them to make sure that those decisions are the right decisions unless they've been given the authority to go up to a certain level. Systemizing and empowerment both have their own pros and cons that come with them. Can you talk to me about what you see the pros and cons of systemizing is? I mean, every business article I've read certainly in the last six months is touting the virtues of systemizing and automating your business from marketing through to, you know, policies and procedures and everything. It seems to be kind of the latest buzzwords getting around. What what are the pros and cons? Why should businesses look to systemize and what should they watch out for? When I was sort of looking at that, like when I look at, at systematizing, I mean, the great thing of a highly systematized business is that you've got 
the everything being done is being recorded and how it's being done. So you're building the assets of the business, but it also means that the actual uh, staff, any staff member can pretty much do any role. So if someone is sick, someone else can actually step in and fill that role for them. If someone leaves, um, they're not actually walking out the door with a whole chunk of your IP. It's, it's able to be someone, again, someone else can just step up. So it means that the business can keep functioning on a day-to-day basis without actually having major, major drawbacks when you have a key staff member leave or, or a key staff member is, is sick for a period of time and no one else can actually sort of fulfill that role. The other sort of benefits of, of a systematized business is that the staff do actually feel that they are working in in a business that runs really well. They're feeling like they're not actually having to be chasing their tail if they if if something is asked to be done, it all has a has a process and it all just runs so smoothly that they're actually feeling that they're actually enjoying that and feeling the the processes of of all of that 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 comes into play within with that, yeah, I mean, you, when you look at a systematized business that's running really well, everyone just seems to be doing their job at at the speeds they are. No one is stressed, no one's worried, uh, and it just works. And there's no person yelling at someone else because someone uh, there's no area where a job's fallen apart. Does it help new employees fit into the organisation with a bit more ease? What I sort of feel is that they can come in and not feel the pressure of going, oh, I've got all these sort of things to do, but I don't really know how to do them because there's a whole map of that's been laid out for them to actually go, okay, well, if I'm doing this role, I need to do it this this way. You know, these are the seven steps, bang, 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 and away I go. So I'm not feeling this going, oh, someone's just asked me to do this job. I have no idea how to actually sort of do it. And that's the great thing of a systematized business, you know, so it allows staff members to feel a lot more relaxed quickly. Yeah. To every pro there's a con, what what are the things to watch out for when you're looking at identifying areas of opportunity or areas of complexity around systemizing a business? The things we really noticed is that the staff feared that they had no job security because they felt they could be replaced very easily. They also, for your staff members that were your firefighters and people like that, they didn't really enjoy it because they couldn't run around and be that firefighter. They couldn't be that person that was sort of trying to put themselves everywhere. They couldn't be the superhero of the day because there was never a fire to put out. And how is that a con? Because they don't enjoy it, in the sense that it's the staff enjoy the drama of work. They enjoy something going wrong at work because they like to complain about it. Um, so a highly systematized business doesn't allow them to complain about their job. So they have to they have to go. Oh well, they've got to find another way to complain about their job than than whinging about their boss because everything their boss does is affects it or whinging about another staff member because they don't do their job well or all those sort of things. So a highly systematized business, it removes that. But the thing of that is that it's it creates a disharmony because because staff don't feel comfortable in in not being able to do that because we all like to complain. 
So you talk about the need to uh, review your systems every 12 months. Why is that so important? Uh, because they get dated. New technology, um, new ways of thinking, uh, probably the two big ones, uh, is that if you're not reviewing, it's like like if someone, I guess, is has been taking credit cards, I don't know, taking credit cards and writing them down and then processing them in the old-fashioned way versus going, oh, hang on, we could have an online system that now took credit cards. Or it's like technology is moving along at such a rapid rate and technology is probably the big one that really changes your systems, you know, because you're going, oh, I was doing it this way, but this job could now actually mean that I could do it 10 times faster because of of this introduction of this technology that wasn't around a year ago. So that is certainly one of them. And also the actual business itself, is it moulding, is it changing to adapt to the market and what's now going on? And if that's the case, then how you're delivering that service often will need to be delivered in a different way than what it was 12 months ago. And in your opinion, is that the opportunity that lies in with empowering the staff to kind of go, hey, guys, you know, this is the way we're doing it at the moment. But, hey, if you read of something or you come across or you learn something within the industry that would mean that we can tweak, change, improve, make your life easier, then, you know, that's part of your role too. You need to come and let me know that this piece of technology is now available that we can process our credit cards online. Yeah, absolutely. And is... And it's fundamentally important that the staff become involved in in writing those those systems, you know, um, and contributing to them, because that way that they do, they feel a lot more empowered. That they feel like, well, it was my idea, and now we're doing it. Isn't that great? And they're often they're often the people who are in the front line. They're seeing what's going on on a day to day basis. So they have a better idea. You as a small business owner can't be a jack of all trades once you end up with a multitude of staff. Um, You have to accept that the people that are doing those jobs are actually going to be capable of giving you the feedback that you need to continually be improving and developing the business so that they need to be making those those calls and you need to be involving them and getting them into that process. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise you end up sort of going backwards instead of going forwards. That's a, a nice segue to the, the pros and cons of empowerment. And we've just touched on how empowering your staff to to come up with new ideas and, and to be involved in the ongoing processing and and systemizing of the business what are some of the other pros of empowering your workforce um so the pros obviously are in the sense that the staff the staff feel that they're they're part of the business they feel that everything that they do they're making the decisions they're being involved in it they're happier they often will stay longer you'll get less staff turnover uh, and they'll feel more fulfilled in themselves. And if it's done and done well, then the business will run better and the staff will actually feel that they're building a better relationship with the customers as well um, and delivering a more personalized service. And cons? And cons. Uh, what's interesting is that the cons are very similar to the systems, which is which I found when I was writing this, I was like, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, well, there's so much of them are, you know. So, the cons are is that 
they find their job in the sense that it's sort of the effort of actually having to the empowerment. So making all of those choices means that they're actually constantly stressed because they're worried that if they make the wrong choice, they will be fired. Um, they don't trust their own decisions because they uh, are thinking, well, what happens if, if I do this over here? Is it the right decision to actually be making at this point of time? Some of the other sort of cons are again around your sort of your firefighters and, and people like that. The consciousness and unconsciousness sort of enjoy the disharmony of and drama at work. So it's looking at the sort of by being empowered means that they shouldn't be unhappy with fellow staff members or shouldn't be unhappy with their bosses or co-workers because they are actually making all the, all the decisions. They are choosing and how they're actually going to be doing those sort of things. But they don't actually feel that because they start to get worried or stressed or they, they just don't enjoy it or they go, well, this person made this decision and now that makes my job a lot, lot harder so I don't enjoy the decision they make. Why can't someone tell them that they shouldn't make that decision? The, the last thing I want to touch on as we, as we wind out our half hour is you have a point uh, in there about, you know, going through and, and trying to achieve balance and two cogs operating don't have to be the same size between the empowerment and the systemization and, and can indeed, can any business really achieve balance? I guess I'm, I'm interested to know to anyone listening in or, or reading the book, certainly reading your chapter, what are some of the questions that they can begin to reflect on in their own business as to whether they need to perhaps implement more systems or more empowerment of their staff? What are some of the, the flags or opportunities that they could identify within themselves and ask? So generally, uh, from a systematized point of view, it's always sort of, are there fires? Are you just simply running around putting out fires on a day-to-day basis, either you or another staff member? So is there something that goes wrong with your the way the customer service is being delivered? But generally, it's it's sort of looking at, at fires are generally sort of the big one. And then also is every time a key staff member leaves or any staff member leaves, was their job, anything they were doing in their job, was it not recorded somewhere? So if you're looking, if they walk out the door and you're going, you look, you ask around the office or you ask around, around the factory floor and going, okay, who can do their job? And everyone goes, I don't actually know what they did. Then that's a good indication that you need a better system within your business. As we wind out, we've got we've got a, a minute or two left. I'm interested. Your your final little pricey in the article was that you and your partner are spending the next while traveling around Australia in your Tesla, talking to other couples that are business owners. I can't leave that hanging. Tell me about that. <laughs> So after being in one spot for 17 years and running a seven-day-a-week business, we sold up and sort of thought, well, what are we going to do? And traveling was one of the keys and we thought it's best to see this country before we bugger off overseas because he was still young enough to travel overseas uh, at a later point. And we thought, well, if you're going to drive around this country, what do you do it in? And our leanings are towards sustainability. Uh, We like 
uh, and have been passionate about sustainability for many years. And we, we introduced a lot of that within our last business. And we thought, well, what's the best car to take around Australia? And it has to be a fully electric car. So that's the reason for the Tesla. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't sort of everyone goes, how are you going to bloody charge the thing in the middle of nowhere? And it's like, I can plug into a 10 amp PowerPoint. So I can come to your house and plug in. Just takes a lot longer. So um, on a 10 amp, if I'm flat, it's going to take 40 hours. But who's in a hurry? Meeting businesses and things like that, we really wanted to uh, do two things. One is we really wanted to work with promoting other small businesses that are really passionate about sustainability. Um, So interviewing them and podcasting their stories. Uh, and then also the ability of being able to help those people. So doing business coaching and focusing on couples in business. So we realize that there's a lot of space in that world where uh, no one's actually really doing a lot of, there's business coaches who do, who will work with a couple in business, but there's no actual, there's not, or there's not many, there's a couple around, but it's very few that are actually a couple coaching a couple. Um, which brings a really unique um, perspective to how the business actually functions and the the balance between those two, between the couple that are running the business, you know, how they actually deal, talk and deal with each other. When you have a coach who's coming in that's, that's both male and female, it allows you to perhaps work with, with either one, either party, um, and we can swap it around. So, you know, I can do work one-on-one with the male and my partner can work one-on-one with the female, but then we can swap it around and do the same. But even if we're dealing with a gay couple or something like that, it still allows for you to get sort of two people, two different perspectives, but also you're bringing out different sides of people so you're seeing different things that perhaps could be issues that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Last question I have for you. What made you get involved with the book? I was uh, actually invited by a friend of mine who was writing a chapter in it she sort of invited me and sort of said this would be a really cool thing to do I haven't written any a book as of this point of time it is on my agenda to do so it was a nice soft option to write a a first chapter opposed to trying to bang out an entire book to and then to build it up from there and and looking at the book and looking at the past two um, versions so this is part three now um, there's a lot of really good stories and a lot of really good information there. So we'll, we'll, I was quite excited about the opportunity to um, be part of that. Marcus, thank you so much for your time. For anybody who wants to touch base and learn more about what it is that you and your partner do and how you can potentially help, what's the best way for them to reach out? Generally, sort of, if you Google Marcus and Ariel, you'll come up with our website. Um, or Facebook page or Instagram page uh, and that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. The uh, chapter was really insightful and interesting to read.